Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Justina Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. And before we jump into today's message, I do want to look on the other side of that screen and say a big hello to those of you that might be joining us online, those that might be joining us from our CCNO gel campus or a prison across the nation, or those that might be joining us right now in Belize Central Prison. In fact, Pastor Kyle are coming to you very soon. We're going to be at the prison soon to see you. We believe in you. We love you. Come on, church. Can you welcome our church family? Brick by brick, it's been an amazing series studying the book of Nehemiah. And we've been talking about building the church, in essence, because Nehemiah had a burden, we learned this on week one, to build the wall. God had called him to go. He gave him a burden. Go rebuild the wall, which surrounded the temple, which meant God's presence. It represents to us today the church. Building what God cares about. You know, Jesus is returning for his church, right? And so we're building the church, and we talked about that with Nehemiah. We talked about the gates. It was a phenomenal message, and entering through those gates. We've, we talked last week about fighting for our family. It was a phenomenal message. In fact, if you missed all, any or all those messages, make sure you go back and listen to last week's message, Fighting for Your Family. It was phenomenal. And then today, here's the title of the message today. It's this, Build and Battle. Build and Battle. I was thinking about that in the story of Nehemiah, and then I was thinking about some research that I did recently on the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Maybe you're familiar with the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's a tourist attraction in Italy that many people go to see, but I don't know if you know this, it was actually never meant to be the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It was only ever meant to be the Tower of Pisa. But something happened that caused it to be the leaning Tower of Pisa. And when you research the story, as I did a little bit of research, what I learned is they started building this tower. It was a church bell tower, actually, to the cathedral there in Italy. And they started about 11, in the 1100s, they started building this tower. And after only getting a few floors done, suddenly they were called off. Everybody was pulled off this building program and sent off to battle. And so for many years, they go off to battle. And then as the story goes, they end up coming back eventually after some years, and they begin to start rebuilding or continuing to build this tower. The only thing was, by the time after all those years of being at battle that they came back to building, suddenly they noticed something. They had been building on shallow foundation. And so what happened is they started to notice that the tower had started sinking and leaning and it made the building even more difficult as they tried to now come up with a new strategy, how to build one side shorter than the other so that it wouldn't just topple over so that they could continue to build. But the building was harder now. And then we go through this cycle where they would go off to battle for some amount of years, and then they would come back to building, and every time they came back, it was sinking and leaning even more. I thought about that. I don't know about you, but I wonder, it has described my life at times. Where I suddenly faced a battle, something called me off, and I stopped building for a season. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's in the house of God. Maybe it's your parenting. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your education. I don't know what it is. We've all been there, right? The battle called, and I left the building to go to the battle. 
And, and after I was done with the battle, because, hey, the battle always ends at some point. Then I came back to building, and suddenly I look at it, and I go, huh, seems to be sinking and leaning. Have you ever felt like that about your life? It seems to be sinking and leaning, and I was working so hard on building, and now the building seems even harder. And so we're faced with this tension of a question, and the question is this. Should I be building or should I be battling? Think about it a minute. Should I be building or should I be battling? Well, Nehemiah answers the question for us, and I want you to see it. Nehemiah chapter 4, it is my favorite verse in all of Nehemiah. So I am so grateful Kyle forgot to preach on it so that I could. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17. It says this. Those who built on the wall and those who carried the burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Should you be building or should you be battling? Well, Nehemiah says both. You have to do both. In fact, in other words, what Nehemiah is saying in this moment, I need you to hold a brick in one hand and a weapon in the other. You have to have a brick in one hand and you need to have a weapon in the other. We've got to be doing both. We've got to build and battle. We've got to keep building God's house. We need to keep building God's kingdom and at the same time resisting the enemy's opposition that he's going to send while we're building. You've got to keep building, but don't set your weapon down because anytime you're building, you are going to be battling. We've got to do both. And so I, I want to talk about both today because both are important. And I want to start with building. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, you're called to build. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. The truth is, this is the picture of the Christian life. If you are, and I am, a follower of Jesus, we're doing both. We're building and we're battling. This is what our life looks like until we are sitting at the banquet table with King Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and we ain't no more battling. But until then, on this earth, we're building and we're battling, and God planned it like that all along. And so Ephesians remind us, and so I want to start with this building, this brick that we all have. You have a brick, and I have some bricks too. And I want to show you what those bricks represent today. Three things. Your brick represents three things. Talent, time, and treasure. In fact, let me show you how Nehemiah used all three of those things to rebuild the wall. To build what mattered to God. Let me show you the first one. You see, Nehemiah used his talent to build. Look at Nehemiah. Pass it. Um, 2 verses 4 through 5 says this, and here's what's happened. Remember, Nehemiah has a burden now. Nehemiah has a burden to go rebuild this wall, and so he knows he's got to go tell his current boss, who is the king, by the way. He's got to go tell the king, listen, I have this burden. Look what happens, verses 4 through 5. It says this. The king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. 
And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, to Jerusalem, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Here's what Nehemiah is saying in this moment. Nehemiah is saying, hey, king, you know those same talents that I've been using to build your kingdom? You know those same skills that I've been using to to support you and to build your kingdom? Now I need to go use those talents and those skills, and I've got to start working on God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom seems to be sinking and leaning a little bit, and it's time to start building again. And so those same talents, I need to take those and go use them to build God's kingdom. You have a brick. Have you been laying it? Have you been building Here's the thing, the same skills and talents that you're using to build that business could be used to build God's kingdom. Now, I'm not suggesting we quit what we're doing to provide for our families. I'm just simply suggesting if those talents are good enough to build a business, to build a school, to build an education, to build a career, to to take care of my family and build my family with, don't you think that God could use them for his kingdom? Don't you think God could build his house, build his church with them? And so Nehemiah used his leadership that he had been using to serve the king to go build that wall. Nehemiah used his influence that he had to go build that wall. Nehemiah began to use the privileges that he had as the armor bearer to the king to go build what mattered to God. Nehemiah was using his skills and his talents to go build what mattered to God. And all of us have them. You and I have some. Are we using them to build what matters to God? Nehemiah used his talents to build. Here's the second thing. Nehemiah used his time to build. Look at it with me. It's Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 21 through 22. It said this. Nehemiah said, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. And half the men were always on guard. And I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and the work during the day. Nehemiah was using his time, and all the people were encouraged to use their time to build the wall. And, and, and this looks, I mean, this is an obvious one for so many of us, but I, I even reflect back to Tuesday night for the outreach. So many that came to serve and to be here to love on families that maybe have never, ever, do you know that half of them probably haven't ever walked into a church ever before? We hear that all the time. And, and now all these people that served, they worked all day long. And then they came and they laid their uh, little brick of time that they had that night to serve. Or maybe you lead a small group and you work all week and you've got many things going, but, but you're leading a small group and you're just laying a brick of time. You're giving that time. Or maybe you come on Wednesday nights and you serve in the youth. Or, or maybe you're, you're spending time mentoring that neighbor that doesn't know Jesus or that coworker that doesn't know Jesus. And you're just taking extra time to lay and build God's kingdom by sharing and listening to them when you'd rather not. Y'all act spiritual like you don't feel like I do sometimes. You know, in Walmart, when you're going and you see someone, you're like, ooh. I only do that because I have no makeup on. And y'all always act surprised when you see me. And it hurts my feelings. And you're needy. You're really needy. And so here's Nehemiah. He had some bricks to lay on the wall using his time. 
Here's the next one. Nehemiah used his treasure to build. And it's this, Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. It says this, and Nehemiah is basically expressing how it had always been for governors. He's now the governor. He's helping rebuild this wall and take care of the temple. And he says, the early governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to the food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Here's what he's saying. I'm not expecting everybody else to do something I'm unwilling to do. I'm not here to just receive. I'm here to give, Nehemiah says. Listen, I, I say it with all love in my heart. Because I did this for so long. And I would just go to the house of God to receive. What do you have to give me today? What do you have to feed me with today? What do you have for me today? I'm here at the table ready to eat. Bring it on. And that's what Nehemiah is saying here. Let me finish it and then I'll finish my thought because I had a shift in my thinking when I realized I had some treasure to lay on the wall too. I didn't just come to receive. I've got something to give to help build. And so Nehemiah goes on and he says, instead I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table. He, see, you see, they should have been feeding him as the governor. They should have been setting the table for him and feeding him every single week or day, however often he wanted. But instead, he is putting a spread out and inviting the visitors and inviting the workers to come sit at his table and partake out of his own pocket here. And he says, each day one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me. And every ten days an abundant supply of wine. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. He said, I've got a brick of some treasure, and I'm going to be putting it on the wall. And God's calling all of us to that. So we have a, a brick. We've got some talents. We've got some time, we've got some treasure, and God's asking us, are you going to help build? Are you going to keep building what matters to me? Are you going to keep coming and placing it on the wall so that my kingdom can be seen, so that Jesus can be made known? In fact, I was picturing it, and I thought so often, some of us just feel like, well, I've only got one. Have you ever felt like this? You can take the whole time thing. I think I've got like a quarter of a brick right here to lay on the wall. And the thing is, but I just need to teach us a biblical principle. I've learned this and now I believe it to be true because I've seen it lived out in my life every time. The truth is God says in his word that he gives seed to the sower. Now, if you just take the analogy of the brick here, who does God give more bricks to? <laughs> the one that's laying bricks. I just have one, great, lay it down. And you watch, before you know it, you got another one in your hand. Oh, I, I've only got two, great, lay them down. Before you know it, you'll have a couple more in your hand. Why? Because God gives them to who's faithful to lay them. God gives them for who's faithful to build with it. God's faithful to give it to the one. He gives seed to the sower. The one that's going to sow it is the one that's going to get it in their hand. Because God can trust us. And so don't wait till you have a bunch of them. And then sometimes there's some of us, and we do have a bunch of them. We've got a lot of bricks, and we're carrying them around. And we're thinking, I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity, the perfect place to lay all my bricks. I'm laying for the perfect place to build. Listen, if you find that perfect church to go build, 
you should not go there. You will ruin it. (laughs) There's no perfect place. There's no perfect time. There's no perfect wall. You've got some bricks. And honestly, the reason you feel so heavy is you're carrying around too many bricks. You were supposed to have already laid them by now. Gets a little lighter. Why? Because there's purpose in this. There's fulfillment in this. There is a camaraderie, a teamwork, a family that comes together. And when we're building together, we're supporting one another. We're with one another. We're building the house of God, and God takes care of those who build. We've got something to build. We've got a brick in our hand, but that's not the only thing. Here's what we got to realize. When you start building, you will soon be battling. You start laying those bricks down. I hope you do. I hope today it stirs all of us. But when you start building, you will soon be battling. Because the enemy is not okay to see God's kingdom getting built. That's what he's here to oppose. And so the minute we start building is the minute we start facing opposition. Look at it right here in Nehemiah. Because what he's saying in Nehemiah, we see that when you start to do a great work, you'll face the enemy's resistance towards that great work. He will try to get you off that wall. He will try to pull you away from building. That is his one goal, is to keep you from building. Look at it, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 say this. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was not a gap in it, Though at the time I had not erected the doors or the gates, Sambalot and Geshem sent word to me saying, Come that we might meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Okay, little clue, little, clue, little tip. Anytime your enemy asks you to meet him in Ono, what should your answer be? Oh no, y'all are good. Oh no, 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 no. I'm not meeting you in Ono. But Why? Because they plan to do evil to me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I am not able to come down from this great work. Why should the building cease while I leave it to come down and listen to you? And then here's the thing about the enemy. He's not just going to try to oppose you once. He's going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. And it goes on, he says, four more times they sent for me like this, but I answered them in the same way. Three places that you and I are going to face opposition when we're busy building this wall for God. As we're over here building, opposition's going to come, and it's going to come from three places, and I want you to know where it's coming from so it doesn't surprise you. Here's the first one. It came in the same way for Nehemiah. The first one is this. Opposition's going to come, opposition from the outside. From the outside. So what's happening is they're here busy building this wall, and suddenly the nations around them don't like it, and they're going to come try to stop it. From the outside of the wall in. Here's what it looks like, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Sambalot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage, and he mocked the Jews, saying right in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked on it. 
I wonder if you've ever been building something and then suddenly rumors start. Maybe you've been building something and then suddenly you're getting criticized for it. Maybe you've been building something, suddenly people you don't even know are against you. Maybe you've been building something and then suddenly like all these distractions start coming into your life. Opposition from the outside, it could be that maybe you've decided to give your treasure and you decided, I remember the day I did it, you're going to write that tithe check. I'm going to gift and build God's house with my resource, with my finance. And the minute you write the tithe check and the minute it drops in the offering bucket and you've laid your brick on the wall is the minute everything breaks in your house. Anybody? Like, whoo, what just happened? Yeah. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. It's meant to get you off the wall. It's meant to get you to stop building. You think the enemy didn't have a tactic, a strategy, a scheme waiting as he watched you walking towards the wall with your brick? He was already scheming how to oppose you going back to that wall again. He's okay you did it once. He just doesn't want you to do it again. Maybe, maybe for you, it's more like you used your talent, your brick of talent, and you decided to to lay this brick of talent on the wall. You were going to start serving. You were going to join a team and become, you know, when you come on Sundays, you're going to give towards serving. And then suddenly you get the doctor report. And they found something, and it's worrisome, and they need to do more testing. You're like, I just committed to this. Maybe, maybe you decide that you're going to go all in for Jesus. Like, you're going to be for real this time. You're going to read your Bible in front of your coworkers or your peers in, at class. You're going to read it right in front of them. You're going to ask to pray for them. And then suddenly all these rumors get started about, at, about you at school. Or they start to criticize you. Who do you think you are? We know who you really are. We know how you've lived all along. What are you doing? This is, this is all fake. You can't do that. Or maybe you decide, like last week we learned that you're going to start fighting for your family. And you decide that you're going to be coming and you've got your kids here on youth night. And you've got your kids back in the kids ministry. You're serving you and your spouse. You're making sure that your family's committed to building the house of God. And then suddenly the boss calls you and says, I need to relocate you. I need to pluck your family out of this life-giving place where you're all doing great, and you're going to move over here. And the opposition comes. Opposition is going to come from the outside when we're building something that matters to God. Here's the second place opposition is going to come from. Number two, opposition from the inside. Look at it with me in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. So if the opposition from the outside, the strangers we don't know doesn't work, the enemy will stir it up from the inside. In fact, the enemy's greatest and easiest tactic is to get people that are supposed to be building with each other to battle each other. If he can get the ones, us to battle the ones we're supposed to be building with, He could tear down the wall. We've watched walls come apart more times than they should have. And it wasn't the opposition from the outside. It was the opposition from the inside. If he could stir it up on the inside where we're so consumed with battling each other, we won't have time to build. 
It's his greatest threat, his greatest scheme, his greatest tactic. And he does it in our families, and he does it with our friends. He does it all around us, and, and maybe it looks for you. Maybe that you've had a marriage, and it's not been the best, but you know that God wants it to be healthy. And you're committed to rebuilding that marriage and working on that marriage and doing that marriage God's way. And then suddenly your entire family opposes it. They think it's silly and they come against you and they make all the remarks and they don't know why you're trying. Or maybe, maybe for you it looks like you've decided to be in church every Sunday. Right? You're like, I'm, gonna, I'm committed to being in the house of God. I'm committed to building this wall. And then suddenly your teenage kid decides they don't believe in God. <laughs> what do you do with that? Opposition from the inside. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's you've decided to foster. You, you feel called to foster kids that are orphans. And, and so you've decided to build the kingdom of God by being a home that those that are orphans can come to and find Jesus in. But then some friend makes the remark to you that you don't even do good with your own kids. Why are you going to do good with that? Opposition from the inside. Or maybe, maybe you decide to become a team leader and you, you want to use your leadership, leadership skills like Nehemiah did and you've decided, I'm going to not just serve on a team, I think I could lead a team and help build and use my influence and skills for that. And then suddenly this opposition, it's like everybody just gets weird. Have you ever had that moment where suddenly there's somebody offended with you and you don't even know why? There's no real answer. It's just a division in friendship and relationships. Suddenly, yeah, opposition from the inside. That's why Paul is very specific to remind us, you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting darkness and rulers and evil principalities. You're defi- you are fighting and opposing Satan, not each other. We've got to learn to build each other. I- I'll be really transparent with you. Kyle, close your ears so I can be more transparent. I'll be really transparent with you. Just this week, um, I feel like I'm always telling you about my bad moods. I think I have a lot of them. So... Just this week, no, I, you're not worshiping. So, we can all understand why I have bad moods too. So, anyway, I was having this week, you know, and it was like, and I just like disagreed with something that, that Kyle was doing, and I, it wasn't bad, and there was nothing wrong with it. And I just remember, I was about to make the snarky remark, like I was about to shoot the criticism that I was feeling in the moment, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gut-checked me. I get really annoyed at people that say, oh, the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder. Like, that's really nice. He gut-checks me every time. Like, just tap me on the shoulder a little bit. No, I get the gut-check. And and I mean, like, rocked me. And I will, so clear, so clear, the Holy Spirit said to me, he has enough opposition from the outside. Are you going to bring it from the inside? I mean, it was so clear. I have goosebumps thinking of it. I think we need to pause a minute, church. Jesus values our unity, and we have to learn to fight the real enemy. And that means we got to be able to discern where that opposition we're fighting with and fizzling with and going back and forth with is really coming from. 
The enemy is opposing us building. And he would love nothing more like he did in Nehemiah to turn Jew against Jew, builder against builder. If I can turn builder against builder, the work will not get done. You know, Aaron and Miriam opposed Moses. I don't think they had ill will, but they did. Saul opposed David. You can go all the way through the Bible. All of Joseph's brothers opposed him from the inside. Judas opposed Jesus from the inside. Just we got to be really careful. We can't stop building, but just know when you're building, opposition will come from the outside. Opposition will come from the inside. And the third one is this, opposition from within. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 9 says this. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. The truth is that so often that opposition that we're fighting is coming from within us. If you think about it, usually opposition from the outside is strangers that we don't know. Or at least people we're not so concerned with. Opposition from the inside, it's usually when people we love or are close to are opposing. Opposition from within is when I'm opposing me. Suddenly I am the one that's stopping the work. Suddenly I am the It's This is when discouragement rises up on the inside. And this is what's happening in Nehemiah. They're going, we're, ha- we're tired. We've been battling and building. And we're tired. You ever felt like that? I don't know how much more I can do. I'm getting weak. I'm tired. And I'm not sure if it's making a difference. It always is, by the way. Or maybe it's fear. I'm scared of what could be. I'm scared if it doesn't work. What if I do give my brick to building the the house of God? What if I do give my time, my talent, my treasure? What What if I do go all in with this thing and something backfires or I lose something over here? What What will happen and fear rises up? Insecurity. Do I have what it takes? Would even anybody even notice if I'm not building? In fact, some of us we've been thinking nobody even notices that I'm here, or that I'm not building, or that I'm gone, or that I'm, listen, we have to make ourselves known. When we start building and we become family with one another, we will start to notice and care for one another like Jesus created us to. But I got to become a part of the team and the family and the building. Or, or, or maybe from the inside, it's temptation. That old habit I decide to build a healthy life, and now every Burger King commercial is haunting me. <laughs> or, or I decided to break that addiction, and now it keeps beckoning me back, and the temptation is strong, and I'm tempted to walk away from the wall. Listen, every once in a while, you and I are going to face a battle that's going to require two hands for fighting. Can we be honest? I'm not saying that all of us have to be doing the same thing at the same time to build. Every once in a while. But in the book of Nehemiah, here's what you'll notice. You go read it for yourself. They set guards. Those that were doing the battling and they needed two hands to to uh, battle with, there were people behind them that had two hands building. And the thing was, they did not leave the wall to go to battle. 
They didn't walk away from the wall, the place that they were a part of, the place that they were called to build, the place that they were putting their bricks. Just because they weren't physically laying the bricks because they needed two hands to fight, they didn't walk completely away from the city and away from the wall and then go, why doesn't anybody know that I'm battling? They stayed close to the wall. And they had the builders right beside them and other warriors and battlers right beside They were together in it. We're always doing both to some degree. Sometimes you have to fight your way through building. That's what we see in the book of Nehemiah. Should we be building? Should we be battling? We have to do both. And then look what Nehemiah said. Remember, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. He said, I sent messengers saying, I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to stop building. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? I think this is a great, I'm using this as the representation because he said they had a weapon in one hand and a brick in the other. Maybe this is an even better representation just for the sake of you understanding what we mean. Because some of you are a little sloppy with that dagger. (laughs) You might hurt a few people. But what does the sword represent in Scripture? The living and active Word of God. So when opposition comes, you better be ready with your weapon. You better know what God says. You better know what he believes about you. You better know what he says about your family. You better know that he loves his house and he wants you a part of building it. You better know what he has planned for you. You better know what he says about your future. If you don't, when opposition comes, you might just have the regular old sword and you'll still be drawn away because you get into this hand-to-hand combat you don't need to be in. The catch is Nehemiah actually never responds to them other than saying no. I'm on to you. That's not what God said. We're going to keep building. I'm on to you. I'm not going to stop. And then it said he prayed. You want to know what to do when opposition comes when you're trying to build? You get on your face and you cry out to God. You pray and you open your Bible and you remember what the Lord has said. You remember how he feels about you. You remember what he's imparted to you. You remember that he is doing this with you. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when you and I are a part of the building, we've got Jesus armed and ready to defend us in the building. So here we are. The Tower of Pisa, I don't know if you know this, it actually took over, well over 200 years to build. Did you know that? Over 200 years they spent building something that kept sinking and leaning. Look at Nehemiah, I'll close with this. Nehemiah 6, verses 15 through 16 says this. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated, and they realized this work had been done with the help of God, with a brick in one hand and a weapon in the other, and God's help, we will build his church. Amen. Would you pray with me? 
I want to speak to some of you right now and you're in the room and you've never actually given your life to Jesus. Every single time we gather in a service, we give the opportunity for people to come to know Jesus because it's the best and only decision that really matters. And so right now, if that's you in the room and you'd say, I've never given my heart to Jesus, or maybe you did, but you've long walked away. You walked away from his house. You walked away from his word. You walked away from being led by him. You could not say for sure that you're going to be spending eternity with him. And if that's you, I want to give you that opportunity now. So all around the room, or maybe you're across the screen online or in one of the jail campuses, if that's you, just lift your hand. This is between you and God, but I'm going to pray a prayer over you. You just respond to the Lord by a lifting of your hand. And then would you just pray this? I see your hands. Just pray this in your heart. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. All that I am, I surrender now. Would you wash me in your blood? Thank you for paying a price that you did not owe to save me from my sins. And now, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to live my life is yours. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now right where you are, I just want to pray for those of you. You just know God stirred something within you today. Maybe you've been facing opposition and and you just need strength. or, Or maybe you've been reluctant on building, but you're ready to just surrender and and respond to the Lord today. If that's you, just lift your hand towards heaven. We're going to pray a prayer together. You're just going to say, here I am today. I'm committed to doing both. I want to build and battle well. Today, God, here we are, your sons and your daughters. We have a brick in one hand and a weapon in the other, and we need your help. Thank you that you've filled us with your spirit. Thank you for your word that guides us, and thank you for the time and the talents and treasure you've given us. May we honor you and be faithful stewards of it. And now, God, would you build your church, Jesus, like you said you would. May it be a light, like a city on a hill, that would draw the lost in, and may they have an encounter with you, because we're building a place where your glory can rest and your spirit can move. We surrender it to you now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.